In the last 10 years, our field has gone from an unknown specialty to a household name. This brings unprecedented opportunities, but we need to rise up to meet them and give our patients the care that they deserve. In order to help others get better, we need to be better. This podcast will help you to become more confident with your patients, more successful in your practice or business, and a leader in pelvic health. And we're going to have some fun along the way. Join us as we rise together. We're Jesse and Nicole Cozine, founders of Pelvic Sanity Physical Therapy and the creators of the Pelvic PT Huddle. And this is Pelvic PT Rising. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Pelvic PT Rising podcast with Jesse and Nicole Cozine. I am so excited to be bringing you guys a conversation that I had with Noelle Eads and Melanie Abbott of Impassion Pelvic Health in Johnson City, Tennessee. They are, in addition to just being awesome, fun people, they are members of the Rising Family. They are new entrepreneurs. They've been doing this for a little bit less than six months now, and I am really excited for you guys to hear their story. They are a perfect example of that phrase. You know, they worked 10 years to be an overnight success, and you'll see a little bit about how they have grown so quickly over this time period. And I'm really excited for you to just hear a little bit about their journey. They're so open and honest and real in this conversation. I think you guys are going to get a ton out of it and hear a little bit about the realities. And, you know, they had been working together for almost nine years in pelvic health before starting their own cash-based practice. And we're feeling the stress and the strain and the burnout of seeing patients in a back-to-back way of documentation time of working in the insurance model and said that that was not where they wanted to do it to the point where, you know, Noel and she'll hear in this interview is talking about that it developed stress induced anxiety and was thinking, maybe I don't want to be a physical therapist anymore, which is so terrible. And if anybody out there is feeling that way, it's just, honestly, it's a shame, especially when you hear how passionate both Noel and Melanie are about pelvic health and about their patients. So I'm so glad they've rediscovered that passion by creating Impassion Pelvic Physical Therapy. On that note, with no further ado, here is my conversation with Noel and Melanie. All right, talking today with Noel Eads and Melanie Abbott of Impassion Pelvic Health in Johnson City, Tennessee. Guys, thanks so much for being on. I'm so excited to be talking with you. Yeah, we're really excited to be here. Yeah. All right. Well, we've got a lot to get to. You guys are relatively new in the business world. Things have been exploding for you guys. I want to hear a lot more about that. But let me go back a little bit further and just how did you guys meet? So we actually graduated almost exactly nine years ago today or next week. So Mel and I were actually classmates in PT school. Yeah, we actually sat almost right next to each other. Yeah. Three years. <laughs> and then we kind of went our separate ways in rotations, but then I took a pelvic health position with a corporate outpatient group and the need for pelvic floor therapists grew pretty quickly. And so I kind of posted a message to some of the other new grads and said, Hey, this program's growing really quickly. Does anybody have an interest in pelvic health? And Melanie responded. And then, yeah, we've kind of worked together at every job since. 
Yeah. And that was four months after graduation. So I was on a little sabbatical. I have four kids. So I was like, I just got done with my doctorate. I'm going to take a few months off. And then I th- I was just kind of wondering, what am I going to do? She posted that and then kind of jumped in. So. Okay. So it's, so it really is all Noelle's fault here. So that's, that's all Noelle's fault. <laughs> pretty passionate about women's health issues. And so it was a really good fit. Yeah. What got both of you interested in it and right out of school too? Cause that's not a, a always a typical path into pelvic health. Yeah, well, my path into PT is kind of circuitous, too. So I graduated with my bachelor's in um, exercise science. And then I took, oh, maybe 15 years off to raise my four kids. (laughs) And so when I came back to physical therapy, I came back as a mom who knows kind of all the mom issues and had that already kind of on my radar. So I was already looking at that as something I was interested in. And I had always been and, you know, kind of really from the start, been interested in women's health issues. So I was telling Noelle the first time we had an anatomy class and they said, you guys don't need to know about the pelvic health muscles. We're going to just brush over them. And I was like, if we don't know about them, who else is going to know about them? You know, I just remember thinking like, this is the most important thing that we're going to learn. So. Yeah. Well, and then Melanie, talk me through that too. I mean, that must've been an interesting transition going from raising four kids to going back and getting a doctorate Yeah. with, Four kids at home. I'm assuming you had to go back and do some like prerequisite stuff too. It probably wasn't that easy to just get started. How did you make that decision? And did you run into anything interesting or challenging as you were as kind of deciding like, hey, I'm going to go back in and do this thing? Well, I had always wanted to go back. It just hadn't fallen in place with what we were doing in our life kind of followed my husband around for all of his degrees. He has two master's degrees and a PhD. So we were going around the country doing all of his stuff. And it just never lined up for me to go in and get my doctorate until we moved to Johnson City. And then everything just fell in place. So I jumped in and took advantage of it. I think the hardest part was just getting my brain thinking again and kind of like those kind of terms. But honestly, once I got back into studying, it wasn't too bad. So Okay. And then... Noel, what was Melanie like as a student? I, I want to hear. I want to hear like all spill all of the tea for us, please. Here, well, she was talking. She was very quiet. So yeah, it was really interesting. Our class, it was I would say probably an average size class. There were about I think thirty five of us, something like that. And so there were some of us that transitioned. So I did in the same college. I did my undergrad in exercise science, and so and then went straight into PT school. And there were several of us that knew each other from undergrad. And so, you know, there were a lot of us in that similar age range. And then Melanie, and then there were probably what? There was like a cohort of maybe four people that were old, like Like, me. Like (laughs) over the age of 25. (laughs) Like we were like 38 to 42, you know, right in that range. So, But Melanie was always, she was always a great student and always asked a lot of questions and was inquisitive. I mean, I really had to manage my time well. I would drop my kids off and I'd be at school at 6 a.m. And I'd study from 6 to when class started. And then I would go home and take care of the kids and then study all night. You know, it's just kind of how it was. She was Wonder Woman because we're over here just taking care of ourselves. You know, Mm -hmm. let me make sure I eat and drink and (laughs) study and go. And then she's taking care of five other. Well, I mean, (laughs) kudos to my husband who was really amazing and slacked off on his schedule, but he has a busy schedule too. So we were, you know, but my kids were older too, which was helpful. I only had one that was really young at that point. So. Got it. Okay. So you guys graduate, you are working in public health from the beginning. 
I mean, did you guys love it from the beginning? At what point did it start to like set in like, oh, this is what we're going to do now? Yeah. So for me, my story was a little bit different than Melanie's. I actually decided in 10th grade that I wanted to be a physical therapist, but I thought I wanted to do peds. And I was just like dead set on this course. Like I'm going to be a pediatric physical therapist. There was a pediatric physical therapist that, so I was a lifeguard in high school and she asked me to volunteer guard for her while she did water therapy with her kids. And I was just like, this is so cool. And so then I just have this like one track mind exercise science. I only applied to one program. Very glad I got in. Then I finally get into my peds rotation and I hated it. (laughs) I love kids. I love babies. They're cute and they're fun, but my brain just did not work in that creative way. For me, it was like, it was just to try to find creative ways to entertain these kids while we're achieving. You can't say like, oh, I want you to do this exercise because your calves are tight. No, it's like, how can I play with this kid and keep their attention and still get them to do what they need to do to get better? And I just... I just sucked at it. <laughs> that, well, that, hold on. We got to stop there. That's crazy to me, though. That must have been a really abrupt about face on a goal that you'd then been pursuing for six, seven, eight years, kind of single mindedly. And then you actually get in a room with the little tyke and you're just like, uh, uh-uh. mm-hmm. yep, yep. It was it was not great. Because it was my like second year of PT school. It was like, so we have at our program, we have six rotations. It was rotation number four for me. So thought I was in the home stretch, had a little bit of a midlife crisis and a little slight breakdown. And so then I was like, well, I guess I need to see what adult outpatient orthopedic is all about. Because I also hated the ICU kind of inpatient acute care hospital experiences. They just didn't resonate with me. I have the utmost respect for the therapists that do that job, but it just wasn't for me. And so then I was like, hmm, am I even supposed to be a physical therapist? So then I was like, I better check out like the adult outpatient ortho world. And so I went to a group that was So manual therapy really resonated with me. And so I went to a group that was outpatient orthopedic that did manual therapy. And I was actually really fortunate. So the clinical instructor that I was with, he primarily worked on post-op shoulder, but there was actually a pelvic floor therapist at the office. And so she had just started getting into it. It was relatively new. And so she just offered to let me shadow with her And I went in a room with her and she was talking to a patient about painful intercourse and dilators. And I was like, I had no idea this was a thing. We got in our program, one, one hour lecture in three years on pelvic health. And it was all about urinary incontinence. And so it was not something that was on my radar, but this therapist had a specialty. So she did lymphedema and pelvic pain. And I was just like, this is amazing. And I just had this aha moment and yeah, it just went from there. Oh man, I love hearing that. And both of you guys are now in it and have been doing it for quite some time. What made you decide to do something for yourselves? Because it sounds like, I mean, you guys were working together. I'm sure you were loving the patient care. I can hear how passionate about it. You guys both are. At what point was it like, we're going to do this thing and we're going to do this thing together? Well, I mean, this was a long time coming, actually, because, you know, if you're in the corporate world, then you're doing a lot of productivity based PT, which is not a really great fit for pelvic health world. 
And so I think it wears on you emotionally and physically over time. So kind of what I was describing in the during PT school was the life I was living in the corporate world, you know, getting up, doing notes, seeing patients, 18 patients a day, coming home, you know, that kind of stuff. And so I, you know, I think both of us were just feeling a level of burnout, like not able to care for ourselves, not able to care for our patients, the insurance driven kind of productivity model. So, I mean, of course, this is nine years down the road. So this has been kind of a process, an evolutionary process. And we've had different stops along the way. We've made those stops together, actually, along the way. And I think, you know, you just get to a point where it's like, this probably isn't going to change. This is how it is, because this is how insurance is driving this care. And so if we want to change it, we need to change it. You I mean, you changed who you were working for. You, you, you changed the things that you could change. And then you realized... Like this is a systemic thing. This is not a where I'm working problem. This is not a my boss is a jerk problem. Like this is just a systemic thing. I think so many people resonate with that and see that. And you're right. The system is not set up for pelvic health and the incentives aren't there. When you guys use the the term burnout, I'm, I'm interested in this. And I know this is something Nicole and I talk about a lot. Do you have a sense of what contributed most to that? Was it the the notes was it like all of the paperwork that went in? Is it like just the mental strain of going back to back with, you know, a patient every 30 minutes? And especially when I know you guys are dealing with some really heavy topics and really personal issues and, and all of those things. Do you have a sense of what was the primary driver of that burnout? Or is it kind of all of the above? Is it hard to disentangle? For me, and, you know, Melly can speak to this later if she has a different opinion. But I think for me, it was a combination of things and the fact that I was so passionate about it and I wanted to do it well and to do it well and to do it at the level of expectation in terms of productivity that was required. It just was totally tapping me out. So the first group that we were with, you know, we were really fortunate to receive, they really valued continuing education. We hit really, really heavy into both orthopedic and public health continuing ed. And it was, you know, an amazing experience, but productivity demands just grew and grew. And it got to a point where I was sometimes seeing like 21 patients a day in pelvic health. And I mean, definitely the paperwork was a huge part of it. You know, you would, when you're seeing that many patients, you can't keep up with notes. So you chart during lunch, you chart when you're at home and you're salaried. So you get it done when you get it done. You don't clock in, you don't clock out. And so a 40 hour work week is really more like 50 to 60 hours. And then I think too, just like you were saying with pelvic health, it's not ortho. There are orthopedic components, but someone that's rehabbing an ankle sprain, you interact with totally differently than a postpartum mother who's in the midst of major depression and anxiety that you're screening for. And for a lot of pelvic health patients, they don't necessarily go to counseling or you're the one that's recommending counseling. And oftentimes you bond with them in a way that you become their counselor. And so dealing with managing patients' emotions and interacting with them in the best way that you can to give them relief, but then also trying to keep up with the demands of the caseload and then just also protecting your own mental health. I just, it's just not really possible in that model. Well, and trying to be a better therapist, growing your own skills, it's hard to even even think about that when you're so exhausted and so busy. 
I think for me, it, the emotional load is a big part of it. The emotion of the patients being really able to give them the due diligence that they need in that session when you're trying to process so much of what they're saying and trying to put everything together. It was hard. Yeah. Yeah. And then somebody's breaking down and telling you about this past trauma and you're like, okay, but it's also the top of the hour. So yeah. Close on, like, please. Like, oh, and let me, you know, spend five minutes on this pelvic exam when you have vaginismus. <laughs> And have like insanely tight pelvic floor and a trauma history. Like, oh, well, we've got five minutes to do this. So here we go. <laughs> Great. So let me ask you guys both this. Melanie, let me start with this with you. Like, what did you most hope to gain from starting your own business? Okay. There's a lot of things. One, some flexibility, control over time. Um, but also, I mean, I'm kind of passionate about moving our field forward and kind of bringing it up to being valued for what it's at. And I think, you know, if we stay in the rat race model, we're not really doing that. So there was a lot of value for me in that. And of course, patient time. That's really a big one. Being able to have one-on-one time, being able to do it as I want to do it, being able to merge different things together, not having that overhead accountability for with someone that doesn't know anything about physical therapy. So that was a big draw for me. Yeah, I love it. Noelle, what about for you? Yeah, I would say I definitely agree with all that. I think for me, yeah, I got really tired of fighting for being an advocate for patients in that system to both administration and insurance. Like I got really tired, like I don't want to fight with this insurance person about why this patient with pelvic pain needs more than four visits to see me. I don't want to fight with administration on why 30 minutes isn't enough treatment time. Or if we are seeing patients 15 to 20 minutes, why they need to be seen more than once a week, but you're sending enough referral volume to where we can only see patients once a month. I just got tired. Yeah, I got tired of fighting and I just got to the point where I was like, I just want to do this in the way that I know it needs to be done. And then, you know, also just kind of what Melanie said, you know, just really trying to also work on better work-life balance for myself and hopefully grow something that is going to give me longevity in addition to caring the best I can for patients. And wouldn't it be nice to model what we teach our patients? Right. I mean, that's that's the thing we always have a difficult time doing in that very compressed time allotment because we're so frazzled, too. And then we're saying, oh, but you should breathe, but you shouldn't be stressed, but you should downtrain, you know, and, and we're not an example of that. So being able to have some control and quality of life. Awesome. Well, I hope you guys I know it's always interesting where you're in a startup and a growth phase. So I don't even want to let know how the work life is going right now. because <laughs> It's probably not there yet. But that's also <laughs> we'll talk about good problems as we are growing. But yeah, so and then I'm sure because it doesn't sound like either of you were had this really on your radar that you wanted to start a business full time. I'm sure there was some trepidation. What were the, the concerns that you guys had? I'm sure you guys had lots of late night conversations about what if this goes wrong? What were some of those what ifs for you guys? Well, we actually thought about starting a cash-based practice like five years ago, but we didn't think the market in this area could really sustain it. And so that was a big thing. Like, could we make money? And I wouldn't say cash-based. I would say out-of-network physical therapy. But could we really make money in the area that we live? Would people really support our company was a big factor, I think. I think we know we give quality care, but could we translate that into yeah. a business? Yeah. And I think, so we've been practicing in the in Johnson City 
and building word of mouth for seven years now. Yeah. And so, you know, for us, I think five years ago in the middle of one of our job changes, when we had kind of first started talking about this too, we just also didn't feel like the market for public health in general was there in terms of awareness of what we do and what we can help with and what we treat. And so it kind of just seemed very challenging to not only build word of mouth for our practice, but also for pelvic health itself back then. And so at that point, we chose not to pursue it. And then, yeah, we do live in a region where out-of-network specialty services are really just now starting to pick up. It's something that the demographic is changing but in the past, it's always been, oh, insurance, like you have to take insurance. If we don't take insurance, then, you know, we're not going to go see you. And so I think there was just a lot of fear that we wouldn't be successful with that. But we finally, and I think the combination of COVID and then just insurance continuing to restrict all health care and just delegate patient care is starting to be frustrating to not only providers, but patients. And so now patients are saying, hey, I recognize that if I use my insurance, this is what I'm going to get. And I don't want to do that. And so if you're going to give me high quality, then that's okay. That's where I'm going to go. Yeah. And you don't have to be all things to all people at the same time. Right. Mm -hmm. So love hearing that. Now, one of the funnier things, well, actually, let me ask this question first. What prompted you guys to give us a call? Because we, we started talking pretty early in your process before your doors were even open. You guys had, had picked up and give us a call. What made you think, you know, hey, we want some help with this or, or what really prompted that that phone call? I think I saw something maybe on your podcast or something about the mentorship opening up. And I texted Noel and I was like, we should really think about this because <laughs> we're not business people. We know this. And so we definitely knew if we were going to make this switch that we would want some help in that regard. Yeah. And because we did have a lot of trepidation, you know, we were like, this is really scary. Like we know we want to do this, but we really, it just seems like a very intimidating thing. And so to have some guidance along that pathway to do it well, because at that point we knew we did have, you know, a patient following and we were like, you know, there is a chance this is going to take off and we don't want it to be complete chaos. <laughs> and if it does take off, we, we do, we want to do it well and we want to do it to the best of our ability. And we want to, we would rather learn how to do it the first time instead of making a lot of mistakes and having to backtrack. And so when we found your all's information and then just to your all's ethos and the way you treat and why you treat the way you do just really resonated with us. And we just felt like it would be a really good fit. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, I mean, from us, I'm really glad that you guys reached out and it's been so much fun seeing you guys build this business together. But man, I remember one of our first calls, it was actually really funny to us. We were looking at you guys and the conversation, I would be so interested to hear like what your side of this was because Nicole and I went away being like, oh my gosh, these guys are going to blow up. They've got a tiger by the tail. And they don't even know it. And you guys were like, ah, you know, I don't know. We want to have everything perfect before we start. We're we going to start all... in November. We might yes, start we're going gonna to start in six in months. January. <laughs> yeah, right. we, we, that was it, right? It was like you guys said, almost like a six month like start plan. And you're like, you know, if we if we maybe open a door in, in November for a couple of people, and then maybe by six months, we'll have some people coming in. Meanwhile, like you guys had patients like hiding outside of your bushes, like popping out, being like, Melanie, Noel, like treat us. 
I was, yeah, uh, I was treating patients out of my house. <laughs> right. So talk to me about that. What was that conversation like after we had that call? And I, I remember it was just like, guys, I think this is going to happen a lot faster than what you guys are thinking. And are we going to be okay with that? What was yeah, that so conversation let, like when we hung up? <laughs> I'll let Noelle tell you, because she was really the one that was slowing the bus down. She was the most nervous about it. So I was ready to go when... Yeah. ever she was ready to go dang so, melanie speaking about buses man noelle she just threw you under one that's yeah, what the heck yeah, so you yeah. tell them what you thought yeah well i mean i think for me like you said like we just really wanted to do it well and we were just like we need time we need time and i think for me too going from I've always been a salaried therapist with a steady income. And was it the greatest income for how hard I was working? No, but I knew I had it. And for me being the primary income for my household and just having a lot of trepidation with like, is this going to work? And I also tend to have a little bit of a uh, catastrophic personality. I tend to be like, what if, what if, what if, what if, and something I'm working on. But after our conversation, yeah, I was like, you're basically like, why are you waiting? Why? I think he's just sat there kind of in shock. Like, you're why? Kind of like, okay. Why? <laughs> and so when you said why, I was like, I don't know. Why? <laughs> and so then we were like, well, all right, I guess we're just going to do it. <laughs> and then we did. Oh, man, that, that was so funny. You're right. I, I think I was just a little bit in shock, Melanie, of like, oh, how do I suggest this maybe gently that <laughs> you might not need a six month ramp up here, but, but all joking aside, and it's, it's really fun to look back on that, right. With what has happened since, and we'll talk about the growth that you guys have experienced, but it's really is interesting that I think there's two different areas that we can go in and it's really hard to split the difference. Well, and, and that idea of, yeah, I do want everything to be perfect and I want all the I's dotted and all the T's crossed. And I want this thing to be managed well and have all the systems in place, all that. I, I totally understand that inclination. And then on the other side, you've got the folks who don't do any of that and run into trouble the opposite way of just like, hey, whatever, let's open the door and see what happens. How did you guys find that middle ground for you? And would you have any advice if you were able to go back in time to that, that point? Like, what did you realize from the way that things turned out regarding some of that? Well, this is something Melanie and I were just talking about, but we did a lot of planning. We've vaguely been talking about doing this kind of thing for years, but got more serious about it earlier in this year. And I think part of after our conversation with you too, in our initial call, like we just realized you can do all the planning in the world, but you're not really going to know what's going to happen till you do it, till you start. And I would say that's something that we have found like it has not gone at all how we necessarily thought it would be. And it's not a bad thing, but nothing is ever going to be perfect and that's okay. And as long as you have good intentions and are doing your best, but it is a growing experience that you can't grow until you are in the middle of it. And sometimes you don't even know what the goals are or what you even need to think about until you start into the process. And that's kind of what the realization was for me. It's like I had a lot of things written down, even how we were going to divide roles and everything. And I didn't even really understand what it was going to entail. So yeah. just getting into that a little bit more was. And another thing I would say, just kind of speaking to you all in the mentorship program, I do think having a network and having a support, whatever that may be. So for us, I don't think we would have started nearly as quickly. I don't even know if we would be open yet. And I don't 
think that we would have gotten to the degree we are at as quickly without having that and having resources and also just having group support, camaraderie. You're not alone. You're not the only person doing this. Friends and colleagues to bounce ideas off of, to problem solve with. And I think that has been crucial in us getting started as quickly as we have and being as successful as we have been. And having the confidence to make some of those decisions that we weren't sure about and move forward with it. Yeah. You know, and and there's so much in there that I think resonates with people who are business owners who are thinking about being business owners, but yeah, just, just being confident enough to take that first step and then knowing that you guys can course correct and will course correct if things are, are different and changing. And that I love hearing about that, about, the group and the group dynamic in the rising program. Cause that honestly, I think is one of the most, it's inspiring for us. I mean, we see you guys doing it and it's, it's really cool. You can really start to feel alone as an entrepreneur and dealing with all of these different problems. You're, you're thinking about the business all the time, especially when you're starting up and you're having trouble with boundaries and all the things that we're going through, but to realize that that's not just you, like we're going through this stuff together and having people who actually get it and who can, pick you up on a tough day and, and cheer for you guys when you're doing cool stuff. I, I think it's really, really neat to see. So let's talk about what's actually happened. So when did the doors actually open? August 14th was the official date. So it's been four months. Okay. And since then you have renovated a space as well, correct? Yeah. So we actually, and that's kind of another thing that got the ball moving really quickly for us. We actually secured the very first space we looked at just checked off all the boxes for us. So it is, and we originally were bouncing around with an idea uh, because kind of after our initial conversation with you and Nicole, it was like, well, just get started. Even if it's a room, even if it's like you're renting a room from a chiropractor or whatever, just, you know, let's just get started. And so then we were like, well, do we start small? Do we take some bigger risk and go ahead and get a bigger space? And we were fortunate. I was actually the 4th of July. And I had a little bit of free time because I wasn't working. And so I was like, I'm going to look online. And so we looked at a rental, like a realty website that did commercial real estate rental. And we had an, an idea of the location we wanted to be at, but there was some criteria for it. And so we found this space and the guy, the landlord, and they've been fabulous, but he actually answered the phone on the 4th of July, which I was not expecting. And he had actually just had a hip surgery. He was like, I'm really surprised you caught me. This is perfect timing. And he was like, well, do you want to just come see the space today? So we came to check out the space and it was um, an 1100 square foot space would actually allow us to have three private treatment rooms. So it would actually allow us to have a little bit of growth and a gym space. And the rent was right within our range, what we were looking for. And he just made us an offer that we really couldn't refuse. And so we were like, let's do it. So we literally signed the lease that day. Yeah, Wait, so this is why I love these interviews. I didn't know that yeah. story. That's awesome. So Melanie, yeah. are you, you're chilling at home on the 4th of July and well, Noel calls you. Yeah, my family was gone for some reason. They were out of town. And so I ran over and saw the space too. And we just decided to do that. So once you start paying rent for a place, then you feel like you need to start making money. Yeah. yeah. So all of a sudden, yeah, we're like, okay. Uh-huh. So then I put in my notice, I think a couple of weeks later when we started getting it all renovated and stuff. And so, yeah. yeah. Once those bills coming in, it, it does light a fire under the caboose. But man, so, I mean, now fast forward four months later, you guys are seeing 40 plus patients a week. You're now a multi six figure business. I don't know if you guys had like done the math on that, but like, holy cow, crazy, man. And you guys, this is such a perfect example. I love that phrase of like working a decade to be an overnight success. 
like that's what you guys have done, right? Your names in the community, the fact that you've been embedded, that you know people, that you have this patient following and people look at that and they say, oh my gosh, how do you do that? What did you do over the last three months in order to do that? And it's not what you did in the last three months. It's what, it's who you've been as providers and practitioners over the last decade. And I think that's really, really cool. Just a testament to how many lives you guys have touched. And it's really fun to us to watch that. But I mean, it's got to feel like you guys have the tiger by the tail a little bit, like whirlwind. Like, what's it like to grow that fast? Yeah, whirlwind is, yeah, it's a good, yeah, I would say there's not enough hours in a day currently, but I know that will change. And it's definitely, there's a big learning curve in taking the administrative and business aspects and mixing them with the clinical. You know, in the past, you know, we've had some management experience, but really not as much on like the financial side and just really trying to find a good balance of we want to treat as many patients as we can and reach as many patients as we can. But we also want to make sure that we continue to grow, continue to do community outreach, continue to hopefully make this a success to the point that we can just keep adding therapists and making this a bigger and bigger thing. And so it's been really exciting and, you know, we've been really thankful for community support. And I don't think without the word of mouth that we had established within our community, I don't think that we would be here. And so we're also just really thankful for our patients and our community too. Yeah. People have been so supportive, so welcoming, so willing to tell everyone about us. We had a great open house and, and I think that my learning curve has been getting back on social media. So I'll just put that out there. Nice. So we were <laughs> doing the while of teenagers. I had like said no social media, you know, I had gotten off of it. Now, not only do I have to be on it, but I have to learn how to do reels and posts. So, you know, doing TikTok yet or what were we on no. the Snapchat? You, get, you really diving in, Melanie? <laughs> no, not there yet. We're taking baby steps. It's only been four months. <laughs> <laughs> Give us some time. Oh, man, I can't wait to see where this thing is going. So what do you guys feel like are kind of the next steps for you guys? Where's Impassion going next? Well, we'd love to grow and have more therapists. That would be, I guess, our big goal for next year. See if we can increase the therapists and maybe give us a little bit more admin time so we can work more on marketing and this all the systems and processes we hope to have in place perfectly that are still very messy <laughs> and all of that stuff. And so I think that that's our big goal right now as yeah. far as in the next year. Yeah. We're well, also... You guys know, a lot of public PTs do listen to this podcast. Can you give me like, what's the elevator pitch? Why, if I'm listening to this podcast right now and I'm working out... Why should I be packing up and moving my bags to Johnson City, Tennessee and working at Impassion? Johnson City is about the best place in the world to live. So that's one plus. <laughs> yeah. So we're in a beautiful mountain region. And then in terms of patient care, there's a huge need here. The area here is very underserved in terms of pelvic health. And there are, I would say, in terms of like therapist to patient ratio, you know, there's probably less than 10 pelvic floor physical therapists in a very large radius. And so there's always a huge need. Patients are getting more excited and more excited as social media grows and as, you know, just men and women, but especially women, I think as there's been that women's health movement, you know, there's been more and more demand for services. I would say a very rapidly growing region with a huge need. Yeah, and then, market. Yeah, and yeah. it's a great cost of living beautiful place. If you can manage the work-life balance, like we all want to, you can do it here. 
Awesome. And I'm sure you guys are awesome people to work for. So that's just the plug for that. We'll give you guys some love on there. If you guys wanted to reach out, the contact information is going to be in the show notes. One other question, just kind of for both of you guys, how has just like life, and I know you're in this weird growth phase and, and everything's going crazy, but are you guys happier now that you're doing your own thing? Like how has life changed since what you guys were called like the rat race of corporate stuff, you may not be working less. In fact, I would be surprised if you were at this stage of the business, but what's it actually like now being business owners? Well, there's a lot more to think about, which is true, but I would say overall, it's very fulfilling. I feel very fulfilled about, you know, being able to do something for the community, being able to make a change, you know, in our field to progress things along that way, to be able to provide job opportunities in the future to be able to help women and men. So I don't know. I think it's a fulfilling place to be, even though it's still kind of crazy and disorganized and busy and all the things. Yeah. I would say for me, yeah, the hours that I'm putting in haven't necessarily changed, but the mindset behind them has. And so I, speaking of burnout, I had gotten to the point, I was actually diagnosed with stress-induced anxiety and IBS, fun times, um, at my old location. And a lot of the stress was, just felt very toxic. It just was very negative. There was just a very, almost a sense of hopelessness. Is this really the career path that I had chosen? And is this what my life's going to be like now? I still have six figures of student loans, so I can't really stop what I'm doing. If I want to do something else, I was actually considering like flipping houses and real estate. (laughs) I was like to that point. And so I would say the biggest thing for me is like, yes, there's stress, but there's a lot less negativity and a lot more positivity behind it. And the stress is more so just how crazy and how quickly we have grown and just trying to manage that more like a not enough hours in the day stress. And I know that that's going to change and that's going to get better. And I also know that what I put into it, I'm going to get out of it. And so I think that I'm willing and okay with that level of busyness and stress because I know it's also for me and for my patients. Oh, I love hearing that. I'm really excited for you both to be in this position. And it is, it's, you're just moving on up to better problems, right? And your rapid growth is creating better problems. That's what we always talk about, right? Is you're never going to get rid of your problems, We're just moving to better ones. And so your rapid growth has created strain on your systems. It's created more hours than you want to be. And um, that's the next step for you guys is managing that and making that work for you and your lives. But I'm just so proud of seeing how much you guys have put into this business. I know it's grown because of all of that effort you're putting in. It's really just exciting to see where this is. And I'm really excited to see where it's going. So I hope you guys are managing to take a little bit of time, have a maybe a sit back, have a glass of wine and appreciate how far and how fast you've come. Because there's a lot of I'm just excited to see where this ends up going. So I'll kind of turn it over to you guys. Anything else you want to say? Any advice to anybody out there? Parting words here? I would say coming from the one that was a, a little more hesitant to do this, I would say my advice would be if you have a goal and a dream to start your own practice to just do it. And if you're motivated and you're passionate about what you do, that's really where you're going to give the best care that you can give. And there's definitely some challenges along the way, but I've never felt more fulfilled in my career as I have felt in the last five months. Ah, I love hearing that. Well, I think that is a great place to leave it. 
Melanie, Noel, thank you guys so much for being on. It's been so much fun talking with you, and I really can't wait to see where Impassion goes from here. Thank yeah, you. Can, yeah. Thank you so much. Wow, such a great interview, guys. And I am so grateful for Noel and for Melanie for being on, for being just so open and honest about what it was like to be that transition from being burned out to, you know, making the decision to start your own thing, but still feeling trepidatious and fearful and and having to do that as a primary breadwinner and, and all of that stuff. So I hope that you guys got so much out of that interview and just have been seeing their growth and the way that they've managed it and the fact that they are now treating according to their ethos. And, you know, I think that's something really, really empowering about that. And I loved what they had said about just getting tired of having to fight the system for patients, right? And I know so many of you guys are out there doing that. You're fighting the system for patients. You're in this insurance system and you're feeling the strain of that, of trying to provide great patient care in a way, in a system that's not really designed for it. And I hope that this, this conversation with Noel and Melanie was really inspiring for you guys. You can always find more information and get in touch with them. They are at Impassion Pelvic Health, Johnson City, Tennessee. You can certainly look them up. Um, and obviously, we would love if you got in contact with us as well. If you have any questions about the mentorship program or our business resources, you can find more information on all of that stuff at pelvicptrising.com slash business. There's a entrepreneur survey there that you can fill out and somebody from our team will be back in touch with you on if that is something that you are interested in looking into or finding out more about. would love to help. And obviously, Nicole and I have, have such a passion for helping build these businesses that are going to provide better patient care and better lives for people who don't want to work in that system anymore. So hope that you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as I did in having it. As always, feel free to reach out. We want to keep this conversation going and let's continue to rise. <music>